0: Welcome to the navigating your career podcast. This is the place for you to figure out your next career move Learn how to speak up and show up as the real you and discover the path that brings out the best in you If you want to stop feeling stuck start feeling better and take ownership of your career and your life This is the place for you. I'm your host melissa lawrence. Let's get started Everybody. So this week we're going to talk about something a little bit sensitive. So we are going to talk about working with a misogynist. And you might have a lot of feelings about it feelings of anger, of shame, of heck yes, girl. Or you may disagree with me 100%. So let's just go into this episode with an open mind. And I do actually have a lot of interest in your comments on this, so you can always reach out to me through my website, www.melissamlawrence.com, if you want to talk more about this topic. So there is inequality between men and women at work for a reason. I'm going to talk about it, and I'm going to get real here. I'm going to share what it was like for me to report to a man who I believe to be a misogynist and how I handled it. What you'll walk away with today isn't just some action steps if you ever find yourself in this position, but if you find yourself here, I also want you to know that you're not alone. That I totally get that inclusion strategies and HR open door policies don't always solve the problem. Before we dig deep into this topic, listen to this. In my home, we celebrate Christmas and we have a pretty extensive Christmas village. This is a tradition that my wife's family has had for years, and so it's something we have incorporated into our home. When my mom learned of this, she thoughtfully wanted to send us a piece to add. I loved the symbolism of this gesture combining our two families. Anyway, she is in another state, so she mailed me the little toy village to our home. And when I opened the box, it was surrounded by these 1950s and 1960s magazines. They were like the Us Weekly of that time, movie star news and the latest diet trend. I used to love a good U.S. Weekly, or is it Us Weekly? I don't even know if I'm saying it right. But you know, those like entertainment tabloid magazines. And so, I was really excited to see this version of this magazine back from, you know, before I was born. And I later learned that she just used them as packing material <laughs> to kind of surround the um the, uh, the breakable house for our Christmas village, but to me those magazines were a real gift. Looking at this magazine, the October 1960 edition of Movie Life. The cover reads, Liz, Sexy Two-Page pinup. Troy's Life in Pictures, Bardot or Stevens, Who Will Win Steve Boyd's Love? Almost every page has an objectifying woman ad, like this one. And these are actual ads I'm reading verbatim from the magazine. Cinderella Contest. Things may have changed since those Cinderella days, but let's face it, when it comes to getting a guy, it's still important how you look. That's why we are sponsoring a win a pair of shoes for every day of the week contest. Vanish your waistline corsets. Kill the hair root and get rid of unsightly hair. New eye glamour artificial lashes. Hollywood model reveals bust development secrets. All of those were separate ads on the same page. Isn't that crazy? Look slimmer, feel better with new amazing tummy slim. Reduce your measurements and look like a model. Now let's talk about the pinup. Liz Taylor in a swimsuit with her measurements of her chest, waist, and hips, weight and height promptly displayed. Every page had something about how women should change themselves and aren't good enough. Something to make them more desirable to men. Because let's face it, looks matter was the actual message. An ad targeted to men read MEN in capital letters. Join my $100 a week club. Which was an ad to bring men in to um, learn how to make money. But notice women were invited to that club or a cover story on a desired playboy and all the women vying for his attention. Then you have a large ad with a woman looking sultry and the same woman it was like a side by side in conservative clothing in the kitchen. And the caption was sinner or saint. Talk about conflicting. So you can glean from the ads alone that men made money, were the bosses, Their looks don't matter, and the woman's job is to be impossibly perfect and beautiful, only caring about her home and being a sinner in the bedroom and a saint in the streets. And this magazine was published before women could get their own bank account without their husbands, because that actually didn't happen until the 70s, which I didn't know until several months ago. But I didn't, like, I didn't, I had no idea that, and that just blows my mind. So what is the point of all this? It's to say, no wonder. (laughs) We still have some colleagues that grew up in this generation. They have children who they have raised with this mindset. So we're going to run into people with misogynist viewpoints, And that doesn't make them bad people. It's more the time, right? It's more like, of course, we're going to have this type of environment and this type of perspective to deal with because some of these people either grew up in a time that women weren't equal and were there to really just please men, or their parents grew up in that environment. And so they're a little bit more skewed to that maybe unconscious conservative viewpoint. So what makes this tricky is that there are those that we know are misogynists and those that we don't. I have worked with many well-intended colleagues who are blind to their views. It's called implicit bias. It's so ingrained in your beliefs and experiences that you don't even see it. So, when there are surface-level inclusion programs and management promising to be inclusive, if the work stops there at the awareness level, it isn't going to touch the real problem. There also tends to be an older generation in executive-level roles, and those tend to be the ones that opt out of required trainings or really doing that deep work, which also doesn't help the problem. So, how did this show up for me, and why does it matter? I wanted to have a real conversation on this because it is something that exists, and I think we really shy away from it. And we, as we continue to shy away from it, we're not only creating more shame and discontent with the women that are experiencing working with misogynist men, but we're also not helping the problem. Some coaches may tell you that you're holding yourself back and you're staying a victim. I do think that mindset and self-sabotage, imposter syndrome and confidence can play a role. I'm not saying to be clear that the only reason you aren't where you want to be is because of misogynist. I'm not saying that at all. I'm simply saying, let's really acknowledge it instead of trying to pretend it doesn't exist anymore. I've had a boss say and do things like talk about how a woman looks, objectifying her and making comments on her body. Say his wife was his trophy wife. Talk over me in meetings. Take my ideas and claim them as his own. Comment on my mood in a group setting and reference my time of the month. Suggest that me and another female coworker go fight it out in the bathroom and who he'd bet on for winning. Look women leaders up and down as they are speaking. Call out female colleagues and CC other men on the team in emails while also claiming to be inclusive and supportive of equality, while also being adamant that they don't have any discrimination or bias against anyone, and so they don't even really know why it's an issue that we talk about it. If you look at any of these instances individually, How would they stand? If you go to HR or your boss and say, oh, I saw Bob look me and Becky up and down. Or Jack referred to his wife as a trophy wife, and that made me uncomfortable. Or John suggested me and my female colleague go fight while he watch and place bets. Randy talked over me in a meeting. Dave continues to claim my ideas as his own. This is likely how it plays out. How do you know Bob looked to you and Becky up and down? It sounds like you're being sensitive about how Jack refers to his wife. John was just joking. Has he ever actually said anything explicit or done anything to you physically? Are you being assertive with Randy? It sounds like you have a communication issue. Your idea was probably not right at the time. How do you know he was taking your ideas? And I just want to clarify that the names are completely fabricated (laughs) this episode. <laughs> so if you're like, ooh, who are these people? <laughs> They're made up names. Um, so when you go and you try to look at these issues individually, you'll get pushback. You might have already brought this up to someone and got pushback of like, well, how do you know? How do you know it wasn't you? Right? But these little things can be called microaggressions. Ag- micro They are small but significant acts that contribute to your work culture, to your feelings of belonging at work, and can even create a hostile work environment. So what do you do? Here were my phases of coping and dealing. I first questioned myself, did I hear that right? Did I see that right? I then started making notes of it when I started seeing it and hearing it more frequently. Being the high performer I was, I tried to address it myself. I pulled a Kamala Harris, I am speaking in meetings. If you saw the vice presidential debate with Mike Pence and how he was cutting her off and she just would say with a smile, I'm speaking, I'm speaking until she was able to finish her sentence. So I tried that approach of just not letting the person silence me. I met one-on-one with people that had this behavior and shared my concerns, I also had escalated it in some sense, in some um, instances. I also looked for another job frequently because I needed a healthier work environment. It was to the point that these things were happening kind of regularly and I wasn't seeing any accountability for it and... I just was like, this isn't the culture for me. A culture that is going to enable this type of behavior is not where I need to be. And so I would kind of go to this place of, I'm just going to find another job. I'm just going to move to another company. And what was the result of all of this? I wasn't the target much anymore. So addressing this heads on Doing the Kamala Harris, speaking up for myself, I wasn't kind of the, the person that was targeted or that was spoken over or that um, had this sort of behavior to me directly much anymore. Things got a little bit better. I think I was also labeled a little bit as um, a troublemaker, not in like a performance kind of way, but in a way that uh, we can't pick on her because she'll speak up. Like, it's like I had kind of drawn a line in the sand. And so that kind of created a division between me and other people that were part of this behavior. So he eventually went to a role at a different site and no longer was a manager of people. Was this a strategic move because of the issue or was it his choice? I'm not sure. If I had to guess, it would be the latter. There are also women who don't believe that there is an issue with men and women equality or that um, they just believe that you just have to play the game, like it's all just a game and everyone is invited to play. I've had meetings with female senior leaders who told me that they have never experienced discrimination or different treatment because they were a woman. I think she was in denial. I have seen her be treated and talked to about differently, calling out her female tendencies. She was also in the camp that women need to be strong, not apologize, and take up their space. I've worked with women who think the groups that work to advance women in the workplace are filled with whiny women who are victimizing themselves and need to instead just work harder. That there really isn't any uh, misogynist in the workplace. There really isn't any unconscious bias or inequality between men and women. It's just that women need to work harder. Yep. I led, quite successfully, a network of women resource group where over 85% of members earned a new opportunity or promotion. We work to diversify candidate pools and require open positions consider at least one qualified woman. It's a real thing. I recently talked to one of the women who believed that women who fought for equal rights were playing victim, and she said, You know what, Melissa? I used to think that, but then I saw it. I was treated differently. I saw men get their role over other women. I saw men talk over women. Now I want to learn how to overcome that for myself and make sure that's not something that I have to deal with or that limits me in my career. I've also seen well-intended and celebrated women's leadership programs where they talk about appearance, changing your hair, your tone, your demeanor in order to advance to leadership roles. Note, there is not a leadership program for men that talked about this content, or for anyone else. This was a program only for women, and it was celebrated. I was told directly that I would not want to be in that program, that I would be offended. It sounded like those 1950s and 1960s magazines that reinforce stereotypes, and I'm sure that there is a lot more to those programs, and I don't mean to oversimplify. I'm just saying that these microaggressions, these things that kind of keep women as something that is a a trophy for vanity for service of men and that allow men to get special treatment and it's just I feel like sometimes we're going backwards with these things like these programs to advance women if they have a tone of you need to change who you are you need to look different you need to act different you can't apologize you have to change your personality you can't have a certain hair color then how is that really advancing women other than saying oh you've gone through this program and therefore we'll prioritize promoting you but it's really just it's just it's not actually getting to the root cause it's not actually working on the stigma that exists between men and women it's not working on the bias that men may have like have unconsciously and it's not all men but some do some women have it as well some of it is generational So what is my solution? On the organization level, we need all levels to be accountable to do the work and to really work and acknowledge that this is a real thing that hopefully will phase out as younger and younger generations come into the workplace. We need to have a psychologically safe culture when employees speak up, that they are taken seriously and not dismissed. We need to stop having tokens of diversity and inclusion representation, where a handful of people are responsible for advancing the culture and the leadership just signs off and opts out. Unless they're one of the selected faces, a lot of times leaders aren't taking an active role in these initiatives. We need to be curious and try to understand and learn from others. What can you do if you find yourself working with or for a misogynist? Stand up for yourself. Advocate for yourself. If someone is talking over you, don't let them silence you. If someone takes your idea, you can say something like, I'm glad you agree, Jack. (laughs) If someone says something that makes you uncomfortable or does something that makes you uncomfortable, say something, whether to them or to someone else. When we let people minimize us, silence us, and we tell ourselves it's okay, we reinforce that our value is less than. This is how it works, but that isn't true. We will change the world by being the change. We can't wait for those that have biases, unconscious or conscious, continue to be the loudest voice in the room. They aren't going to silence themselves. We have to rise up and silence them. You have talent and a voice, and your ideas are worth listening to. They may be holding on to those magazines as the good old days, but that isn't our reality. It may be theirs, but it isn't ours. And it's important to know that their reality isn't more important than yours. It doesn't matter what role they are in, how old they are, how long they've been with the company. You and your views on people are just as valuable. Your ability to stand up for yourself is important. Take up your space. Sit at the table. Let them talk about you. Sit in that discomfort. Let them find you annoying or problematic, because you aren't. That perspective is the same one that lives in the glory of those magazines, and it isn't relevant. If this is something that you're struggling with, reach out to me. Let's talk about it. If it's not something you're struggling with, and you just completely disagree with everything I said today, that is a-okay too. And I invite you to send me a message and let's have a conversation. Because when we have conversations about these real experiences that people have, we actually start making a difference. Have a great week.